Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And welcome back for Head Boss in Charge. Hey, girlfriend. Hey. I feel like it's been forever since we've uh, literally seen each other. I seriously, and spoke. I mean, yeah. we were, all our previous episodes we recorded so long ago. So, yeah. um, telling people that you got to make it seem like this shit is real time. Well, we're in the studio. Right? You know. No, we plan in advance. We know our shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, how you, Boston? Um, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I came back from vacation, and I won't draw the story out because I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. But um, was in Thailand for two weeks, um, a week in Bangkok and a week in Phuket, also known as Fuck It. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was great. It was beautiful. It was relaxing. Uh, the time changed, fucked me all the way up um, because it is uh, 14 hours ahead. So coming back, like we left Saturday morning, quote unquote, and we got back Saturday afternoon. Wow. So, but it messed me up. Uh, highlights of the trip, I got in the water, the big ocean, one of the seas down there with a life jacket and a noodle because you could never be too safe. And then, um, let's see, went to this awesome rum distillery and met this random couple and hung out with them, my partner and I, and then... Um, we went to this place low key. So I'm going to say this and I wouldn't normally say this on the air. Um, but we went to this place that was recommended to us by two black people and it was called super nigga. (laughs) (laughs) And I kid you not. How is it spelled? I'll have to look it up. I'm I'm not even kidding when I say that that's what it is and nobody wanted to say it. Um, because it feels uncomfortable to say. Uh, hold on, I gotta find because I took a picture of like the little nameplate that it was because I was like, I have to like, no one's gonna believe me if I say this. Um, while no. you're looking that up, I just have to interrupt you. Really <laughs> there was um, I was in Lake Tahoe this past weekend, and you know when you can when you pull up wireless, you can see the names of wireless. Uh, yeah. In your area, and <laughs> we're in Lake Tahoe, and one of the wireless names was "Niggas Lie All Day." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this a white person's Right? Am I, am I about to be pissed off about this? Right. Or where's the party at? Because we need to go to this place. <laughs> um, but the spelling of it is S-U-P-A-N-N-I-G-A. <laughs> but they said it like that. Um, is that supposed to mean something in... Um, I don't know. I had an attitude the whole time. I was like, this establishment better be welcoming. And what was it like? It was good. It was in Thailand, so it was Thai food, but it was spicy as fuck. So um, that was like a hilarious, like I laughed about that for several days. Um, And then I would be like, where do we go again? Um, My partner looked at me like, bitch, you knew where we went. I'm not going to say it. I can't say it. And I was like, that's right. You can't say it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was great. Fantastic. I would go back again, and I'd probably do Bangkok again, and then Chiang Mai, which is north, because we were south and like on the um, on one of the islands, uh, which is where Phuket is. Uh, but it's totally given me the travel bug, and let me call it the vacation bug, because I don't have enough money to be traveling, quote unquote. I can vacation every now and again, so maybe clear on that. But but the, the transition back to work was, is, and will probably continue to be quite a big bit of a bitch. Um, I'm wide awake at 3 a.m. Like, hmm, I wonder, like, I wonder what's going on. It's the middle of the day in Bangkok. Um, and then I got to get up to go work out and go running and then go to work. And so by 11 o'clock, I'm sleepy as shit, yawning in meetings. And they're not boring, but um, it was much needed. I appreciated it. So thankful. I learned a lot. And Yeah. It just, it opened my eyes to a whole nother thing of being black. And I got two passport stamps because we stopped and had a 12-hour layover in Seoul, South Korea, and got to leave the airport and go into Seoul. So I am grateful. I am good. But I am back at work. Yeah, we, offline, I'm really curious to know your thoughts about being black in Asia. uh, Yeah. Into Asia, and I only have opinions on race in European countries and Mexico, but. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah. You just filled in the blank of how you boss and go ahead. How you bossing, <laughs> Paul? <laughs> well, like, I heard it in my head. Yeah, I've been good. Uh, I'm just loving having this time to myself over summer. Things are slowing down and I can breathe a little bit. Um, I, I have some work from home. I'm more flexible with work from home schedule over the summer because there's no one in the office. So that's mm -hmm. nice to have some heads down time. Uh, and just also continuing the summer, the summer trips, summer vacations. Uh, this past weekend, I was in Lake Tahoe. Um, I organized nice. a trip, um, this trip with me and nine other gays in a house. Oh, Lord. Have, <laughs> sounds like that's too many people. That's like uh, seven too many people, but okay. I love it because okay. <laughs> everyone, it was a very mixed bag of personalities. I had met everyone in the house at least once through um, my friend Paolo. And then everyone kind of just brought their own friends. And it was no drama whatsoever. It was a blast. And everyone kind of found their kind of like subgroups, but we mm -hmm. were still really good at mixing and meshing. Um, if there is any drama, me and my friend John were, you know, kind of eating popcorn in the back and <laughs> some light shade with our eyes, but that's pretty much it. Uh, we hiked, we uh, went to the beach. We were in South Lake Tahoe. Okay. Um, and so uh, that tends to be the area that ha that's a little bit younger and um, less residential. Uh, yeah, hiked, we barbecued, we ate a lot, we drank a lot, um, sat in the hot tub every night. It was really great. All right then, go on with your best self. And we're back. Um, so this episode, we're going to take, um, let's say, maybe a waist deep, chest deep dive and talk about something that I feel like we've referred to consistently throughout the show thus far and in other episodes. But we're going to talk about therapy. Um, and we're just going to let the conversation flow and take, see where it goes. Um, and being black and in therapy, being gay and in therapy, out of pocket versus a copay therapy. So just because <laughs> they look different. Um, so let's just keep that real. Where to find therapists um, and some resources that I think we, pr we probably both have some awareness of and just share with folks. Um, so yeah, um, I think for me, this the thought of this topic came up um, first. Uh, for people who don't know, I'm black, surprise. And I have been on and off in therapies for, um, let's see, I can give you a year because I'm not gonna do the math. So since about 2009. Um, and it has, I don't know if changed my life is the, the right terminology for it, but it's certainly shaped um, how I respond to difficult situations and really um, encourage me to give pause and take pause at difficult situations that I have professionally, personally, um, with family, with friends, and uh, relationships, romantic, etc. And it's really been kind of a saving grace in, in a place where I can like lay down on a, a couch or a long chair and ugly cry and someone who I know isn't going to like outwardly judge me. I, <laughs> I make an assumption my therapist is human, so perhaps he will be judging me at home with his partner. Whatever, I don't care. I don't know his partner. Um, but yeah, it's it's been such a helpful tool that I have been able to have access to, and certainly feel privileged to be able to utilize when I need, um, and know that I've got that kind of um, support system in that way. Uh, yeah. Oh, therapy. I, that idea of therapy didn't cross my mind until very recently. I, I would say maybe almost two years ago. And it's been something that I've been trying to get to. I think I just get caught up in the busyness of my life and everyone keeps reminding me, oh, I have a therapist, I have a therapist, I have a therapist, and you should do it, you should do it, you should do it. And I'm like, I'm trying, but the logistics of trying to actually get into it is difficult. 
Um, you don't have to break that down. What does that mean? Uh, just, you know, I, <laughs> just finding the right person or trying to figure out how to pay for it. And I'm sure we might cover it, cover um, all of that maybe in this episode. But uh, I'm glad to say now that I've started uh, mm-hmm. seeing a therapist, but I'm very, very new at it. Uh, I've had a limited number of sessions compared to you, Shamina. But um, I'm going to take that as a no, no shade. Just as it is. It's true. So I can't be like, oh, you shamed me. I was like, well, it's true. That's a compliment. And it's true. (laughs) But yeah, I, I'm glad it's, it's very um, uplifting for myself to actually accomplish that goal and finally do it. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm still a little, I was still a little skeptical of the process. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mainly because, and I'm I'm still being humble when I say this, is that I talk through shit in my head all the time. <laughs> and so sometimes, uh, and especially the first session, I'm like, we're not talking about anything I haven't really navigated already. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the, on the flip side, it's very validating that everything I'm thinking of is on the right track. Mm-hmm. Um. Where do you, maybe we can start off by side, like, because we're both black. Again, I outed you. Uh, I hope you're oh, really? okay with that. I'm black? Yeah. So yeah. let's let the world know. Um, I think there's a lot of, like, um, taboo or apprehension that black folks and people of color that I know, just from asking around and talking, being open about talking about my own kind of journey in and with therapy. Um, like some of the taboos of like, you could just go to church, like just pray about it. Um, or like you mentioned a few before that I've heard of like, well, like number one, there's certainly the belief of people like I don't necessarily believe in it. Um, or like, I can't afford it. Um, I don't know, like it didn't work and they've gone to like one session and then like you don't really do shit the first session besides like you do a lot of talking about yourself, but like, it's the introductory part. So of course you're not going to be quote unquote fixed, whatever that means after like 50 minutes. Um, so some of it's an un, FCA has unreasonable expectations of like, I'm going to go in because I have this one singular problem or issue. And then if it's not solved in the first one, then it didn't work and it's not for me. Have you heard other um, kind of things that people explain away in terms of why they might not venture down this road? Yeah, personally for me, it's something I've told myself, but I've heard other people. It's kind of just uh, fight through it, tough it up, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's life. People always love saying it's life. It is what it is. Just, uh, mm. you know, get through it. Yeah. And it's so funny because I've, I've heard people be like, well, I don't really have a problem. And I'm like, well, it's not going in necessarily. I don't see it as going in because you have, and sometimes you do like have a specific problem that you need to talk through with not people that you know. Um, But I see it as kind of like, I've grown to see it as as important as physical health and wellness, like making sure that your mind is in a solid state, um, that you are working through difficult situations rather than like, okay, here's a difficult situation. I'm going to put it in this box in the back of my head and not deal with it and work to some sort of resolution or resolve or way to move beyond it. Um, I've had folks Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to throw, it's, yeah, it's um, basically like a a workout plan for your brain. It's Mm -hmm. it's a way of, just like we go to the gym for our physical bodies, going to therapy is exercising, um, our our emotional mental health. Yeah. Um, And I have tend to found that folks who engage in that, like their level of ability to cope, like there's not the same level of like, breakdown whatever breakdown looks like maybe it's crying and tears and whatnot maybe it's like lashing out at like in inappropriate or inopportune times um being overwhelmed and carrying that stuff with them um i've certainly seen those things um i think there's sometimes a resistance to um engage in uh the journey of therapy that sounds so like extra to be like the journey of therapy um (laughs) but i think i've seen folks be reluctant to do that because they're like well i don't have a problem i'm like well nobody said you have a problem sometimes it's helpful to talk things out with someone who 
for all intents and purposes, is paid to sit there and listen, and they're not going to be like one up in you in the damn conversation. Um, where it can actually be all about you in that moment, you know. Continuing on the track of like reasons that people may not go to therapy, uh, I think, especially for, you know how they say doctors um, are bad patients. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of times with psychology, therapists, <laughs> pro professionals, or just people who are very successful or very smart or very uh, logical thinkers, and I place myself in that logic. I, I like everything is a formula to me when I think about mm -hmm. uh, work. Li well, not life, but that's just how I, I think. I'm very uh, left brain, I believe, is like the math science brain. And naturally, I challenge everything <laughs> is, that's being thrown to me. Like, oh, I know why you're asking that, that question because that's linked to A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. so, you know, so let me <laughs> one up that and <laughs> try to challenge you. Or it, it's just this constant pushback. I think some people, if they try therapy, they might find themselves in that situation because they're trying to uh, justify the methods that the therapist is using. Mm -hmm. Which I tend to think is a waste of time. Because I'm like, what are you going there for if you're just trying to go there and prove a point? A personal thought, obviously. Um, it's funny that you say that because I think that um, some like people that I've seen or that I've even read about or like heard on a podcast or watched on a TV show, um, they maybe uh, staple themselves as like, well, everybody comes to me with their problems. So clearly I have it all together. And I'm like, well, no, people just come to you with their problems or their issues and concerns and they want to talk to somebody. Um, not realizing that that person is probably holding on to some of the stuff that people is, are putting on them, if that makes sense. So as much as people pile on to that, we carry those things. And sometimes we have to like put those things down and let those things go um, in order to take care of ourselves. But yeah, I've certainly heard the people who are like, well, I'm too smart for therapy or I'm too... Um, like, I don't need it because I know more than them. I took a psychology class. I'm a psychology major. And I'm like, really? Right. Because taking a class or being an a major, when you don't practice it as, a, you know, as your field of study or your profession, um, does not make one an expert. This is true. Yeah. So um, one of the big ones that I hear um, from POCs uh, primarily is the, like, you could just pray about it or go to church. Um, and I have always thought, well, since I started on this kind of path, it's, it's really made me think of like, well, if you believe in God or a God, um, then likely these folks have been put on this planet and on this earth to do this work. Did they, like, how do you think they got here? How do you think that this became a field or profession? Hmm? I yeah I've definitely heard that but I come being someone who's been you know heavily entrenched in the religious community their argument would be um yeah and that those people are put on the earth to help people with problems yeah. who can't help themselves I can help myself I don't have any problems I'm just gonna pray about it you know yeah. like people can be very defensive about that yeah but I think the thing that sometimes not to get into like a religious conversation like like somewhere in the Bible, and don't and I'm not, uh, I'm, I can't quote you the verse or anything, but there's a, some sort of passage that says essentially faith, faith without works is basically bunk. Like, yeah, you can pray about it, um, but then at the same time, like I've always seen like, and then you're supposed to act upon the things. You don't just like put it there and do nothing about it. Like at least that's not how I have been taught to exercise my faith. Like I don't just say. I get the, you know, the electricity bill and say, like, Lord, take care of this. <laughs> and then I leave it on the counter and expect for it to be paid. Like, but I'm then provided an opportunity to go to work and get paid and then can yeah. thus pay the bill. Like, you don't just pile up the bills and just sit them there and like osmosis, like somebody's coming in to pay them, they're gone the next day. Right. So, um, I also think that uh, it's a really vulnerable place to be in to say that, I've got some things that I want to talk about and talk through. And I think it's hard for lots of people to be vulnerable or to admit that they're struggling or challenged um, or having some sort of a challenge with things. And I think that can be something that gets in, that get in, that gets in people's way. Excuse me. 
I agree. And I think too, uh, some people, you know, I'll often hear like, oh, my friends are my therapists or my partner. Like we talk about everything. That's not true. I think in my opinion, there, everyone has at least that one topic or that one area of their life that they may passively excuse and then say, oh yeah, I talk about everything with so-and-so but there's I feel like there's always something deep inside for everyone that Mm -hmm. they're afraid to talk about with people that know them so I think a therapist is a great neutral partner to be vulnerable about completely everything yeah taboo things things you're ashamed of things that you you know your parents wouldn't be proud of whatever however you want to classify it I think there is something that um even your most loved one wouldn't um, you wouldn't tell even your most loved one. Yeah, because there is that fear of like shame or judgment or that they're going to ask you questions about it that you cannot answer or they're going to like, they're going to think about the impact on themselves when you tell them X, Y, and Z, you know what I mean? As opposed to just being able to purely listen and like show up for you. Um, I think that's a great point. Um, so yeah, and I another thing that I think that, I think there is there's sometimes a glorification in being, this is going to sound, whatever. There's a glorification in being damaged, if that makes sense, and holding on to that and yeah. using that for gain. There's a, a word that I'm thinking about. If I think about it, then I'll come back to it. But if you are constantly in this space of like turmoil and trouble that, that like draws people to you sometimes to, for other people to come in and save you and help you, I think sometimes people hold on to that. There's a word for it, but I can't think about. I can't think of what it is. I mean, Um, I I think it might be related to people who like to play the victim. Yes, yes. Like everything is against me. The system, the man, the woman, whatever. Like nothing ever works out for me. So they stay in that place of pain as some sort of a badge of honor, or to be like, see, I'm still, I persist. I still, you know, (laughs) you know, I'm moving forward. There's an actual mental health condition called Munchausen's yes. disease. Yes, I've seen it on a TV show. I can't <laughs> the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> that was <laughs> a recurring theme for a couple seasons. Um, and really what that is are people who fake uh, medical conditions. Um, mm-hmm. Usually it's, are, they're things that you can't see. Um, so like people aren't, it's not really for people who fake like a broken foot. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> That's not funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fake, um, fake pain, and they'll um, they'll go through this very long, arduous process of how having people come into their lives and care for them. Like they're looking for that t- attention and that mm-hmm. care and that validation. That oh, people love me, and I can persist. I can, like you said, I can persist through the pain. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really twisted. Yeah, it just, um, but it's a real thing. Like, that's the crazy part. I'm like, people actually, like, suffer from this, and likely they don't go to therapy. Or maybe they, they probably don't, because then there might be some healing in there for them that they're not ready to deal with. Um, <laughs> so there's that. That's a, that's a whole cycle in itself. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, so those are just some of the, the things that I have heard before. And I, and I remember starting to go and, like, being like, I am not even sure how to respond to some of the things that I was going through. Um, it started with like a, the, the, the quick decline of a romantic relationship. And then I started to, to think about myself and what I needed and what I was looking for and what are some of the barriers that, that I was putting in my own way that was keeping me from either losing weight or developing friendships or strengthening the relationship that I have with my mom or like, things that I didn't even think about that were roadblocks that I was subconsciously putting in front of me. And I needed to, somebody to start to ask me those, um, I hate when people say those questions, but they started to ask me hard questions that I didn't feel brave enough to ask myself um, because I didn't know how to answer it. And if I'm asking myself, then I don't have to answer it. I can just change the subject and do something else. Um, but here I'm sitting, to, sitting and looking at someone who genuinely wants to be helpful and wants to help me to get to some of the things that was holding me back in friendships, relationships, or with myself. Um, And once I started to be open to that and 
respond to those questions that was being asked of me, both in the session and thinking about them outside, I realized how much shit I was holding on to, like that I didn't even know. Um, so um, I have zero idea where I was going with that. But then it just hit me like the first, like how I started um, in therapy and where it started from and um, where it took me from there and where it continues to take me because I, I still do it. I don't do it as often as I was doing before. Like I may do more of a check-in um, as opposed to like a monthly regularly scheduled program, if you will. Um, but I'm a lot more aware of those times when I, I could benefit from a check-in and just kind of downloading some things that, like you said, that one or two things that you're just not able to talk to anybody about for a lot of fear that comes with, you know, opening up some of those doors. So for me, it's, it's a little different. And what I think, you know, I don't, I don't think I am blocking myself through not asking the right questions or having the difficulty to ask those questions. Um, for me, what I'm starting to unravel is that I ask all the right questions and I evaluate myself the right way. Um, I think is I frame all those questions and those thoughts in a very negative frame. So this is something that recently came up in a, an appointment for me is to uh, rephrase how, re rephrase my internal voice and all the questions that I ask myself, all the criticism that I give myself. Um, I think uh, as we talked about in the black tax episode, I, I think one of the reasons why I feel the black tax is not just based on social construction, um, but I am very, I'm very hard on myself and I'm not focusing on the things that I do well, mm -hmm. or even if I'm trying to improve on something, um, I, I'll say, for example, to myself, why don't you do it this way? That's a, that's a negative statement instead mm -hmm. of what are the ways or how might I improve on that said skill or area in my life? Mm -hmm. And I think if I start dissecting how I think and ask my ask questions to myself, um, it, it might present something really new for me. And I'm uh, I really loved that session um, when we talked about that. I was very illuminating. Mm -hmm. I'd love to chat with you about six months down the road once you've been going through this and see if you still feel like you ask yourself all the right questions. Because I think as you start to dig more, you start to or let me personalize it. As I've started to dig more, I know myself better and I know more about myself. I've lived with myself for 30 some odd years, but I know myself better and I am able to challenge myself in different ways. And like you said, kind of like the ways of thinking. Um, and I'm not necessarily, I haven't been like a hard on myself, yes, but not in the, the negative, the kind of negative approach to asking myself, like, why aren't you this X, Y, and Z? Um, but that's what I have learned through part of my practice of going to therapy is how do I talk to myself in a gentle manner? Yeah. Um, because I wouldn't talk to everybody the way that I talked, that I previously had talked, had talked to myself, um, talk to myself in a healthy way, of course. Um, but yeah, so I'd be interested to see as you continue on this, like what are the areas that you grow in that you don't realize that you probably needed growth in. Mm. So, and I'm saying this because I, I, I started to learn a lot of this myself um, over time that I, oh shit, that I didn't even think about. Like, there was some things that I was holding on to with regard to food. And I never, I never thought that I had a problem with food because I love food. Like, food is great. Um, and then, like, there was that one or two questions that my therapist asked me. And I was like, well, damn, I think you're right. I'm holding on to this because X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to get all into my story and shit, but I was holding on to it for X, Y, and Z, and I, I didn't even make the connection. Like, my brain cells did not connect this as a, a byproduct of this. And then we started to dig more, and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that makes sense. I hadn't thought about it like that because I've never – I didn't access the pieces of my brain that – let me think about that. So it was crazy. Um, 
I, I'm that, I guess that's a moment that I am waiting for. Cause once again, I'm that person that's like, mm, I, I like, mm-hmm. I I'm skeptical of the process in terms of, I feel like I've already thought about everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm humble enough to like, I, I want to have this as a weekly thing for me. I'm, I'm yearning for that. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think I felt like I thought through <laughs> everything. Yeah, you haven't. I know. Um, <laughs> but that's how I think now, okay? Uh, um, that's how I say keep, as my mom says, keep on living. Keep on living. Um, what are, um, just a quick few things, because I'm not sure where to, this will fall in later. I think that one of the barriers that people talk about is like, number one, I don't have time. And number two, I can't afford it. Um, a lot of employers have um, uh, EAPs, which are employee assistance programs, to your empl- your job, um, full or part time, uh, that people have access to, and I don't think that it's something that folks consider as an option. And usually, those are free. Not all of them, but usually they are free or at a very minimal cost because while they're not associated with your insurance, they are oftentimes a benefit. Um, that your company or your organization um, or whatever the case may be might offer. And they may offer a limited number of sessions. Um, but oftentimes people, I think people don't look at that as like a, I should do that or, Oh, I, I can't do it, you know, through my work because they're going to call my employer and tell them, you know, uh, that I have this problem or X, Y, and Z, which is not what they do. But oftentimes they don't even take your name. Um, for the one that I work with, they don't take your name unless you're actually like looking, you know, you know, she didn't ask my name. I'm trying to think when I got connected with it a number of years ago, she didn't even ask my name. She just like got the password from that we use for the campus and was like, okay, well, what are you looking for? Um, And then she eventually asked my name once I was like, girl, I don't care if you know my name, I need some help. Um, And then she emailed me like some local folks to connect with to try to get in to see someone. But that's an option there that's oftentimes free or at a very minimal cost because it's connected to your work or employer. Um, and you can always scour your HR website and look for that. Um, insurance, a lot of insurances offer it um, and you pay a copay or they can refer you out and you can see somebody like out in the world, not attached to your specific insurance and use your copay. You just have, sometimes you have to ask. Um, or sometimes, um, uh, I think what's frequent, I think that model works for if you are working with a therapist that is part of a large conglomerate. Most of the private uh, practices, though, are not covered by any kind of mainstream insurance or insurance at all. But if your insurance does cover it, most of the time you have to pay it up front and then get reimbursed by your um, insurance company. So it really, I mean, you really have to investigate and uh, read the fine print of your um, EOB, I think it's called. Um, EAP, Employee Assistance no, Program. of your oh. insurance packet. It's like the, oh, okay. like the terms of your insurance. I think okay. it's called, um, it's like a three-letter word. But anyways, um, so just keep that in mind, too, is that sometimes yeah. you, you have to check with the, the, the doctor or the therapist yeah. first to see what kinds of insurance they accept. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised at how many, even in the private practice, um, that they take insurance and you just have to ask. Like yeah. you literally have to ask. I think sometimes people are like, well, it's not on the website or it's not like a flash thing on the front page of their, ho- their homepage. So it's not a thing. I'm like, sometimes you just gotta ask. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Have you ever had a, I know that you're new to therapy. Have you had an occasion where, or have you started in like, maybe you met with someone if you tried therapy therapy before and you're like, yeah, this ain't the one for me. No, I, um, I, you know, the first person I tried it, I'm sticking with until I run out of sessions. Okay. Um, I haven't had that experience just yet, but if I did, I would be so cool with it. I think it's like dating. You got to find, you need to invest in the, the, you're paying them, so you need to invest in having a person that matches your interests. Yeah. Well, I um, I went to one when I when I was living in San Diego, and she was just not the one. Because um, I felt like she was talking to me like I was four, and I was like, "Bitch, I'm in my thirties. Like, don't please don't be disrespectful. Like, <laughs> I don't need to be coddled. Like, I'm coming here for help, not to like 
I don't want you to, you know, be on with me and put me in your bosom when I have just met you. That's her code switching. Um, <laughs> I think some therapists change their voice when right? they're in therapy. Um, so she was not the one that ended up not going back to her. Although her, her office called to like follow up to see if I wanted to set up another appointment. And I was like, you know, I don't think that this is going to, this, this uh, therapist client relationship is going to work for me. I'm going to explore other options. She's like, well, would you like to give feedback? Um, actually, no, I would not. Um, but I thank you for your call. Take care. Um, but I take those things seriously. Just like at one point I had a doctor that I was like, I feel like she was like low key shaming me because, and this was before I had lost weight. Um, she like every fucking conversation was about losing weight. And I was like, bitch, my elbow hurts. Like there's not a lot of meat on my elbow. Like, can you help me with that? Don't ask me, you know, last time I worked out, I'm not working on my elbow. Can you help? Um, and so finally I just switched because I wasn't getting my needs met and I didn't want to keep going back and number one, paying and number two, wasting my time with someone that wasn't going to work. So I think if someone goes and they say like, oh, I didn't connect with the therapist, so it didn't work. Therapy's not for me. Like give it a shot, like shop around and be smart about it. Like you're going to be trusting someone with like your information and your part of your wellness um, as a whole person. So I think it's important to like shop around and look. If it doesn't work the first one, try somebody else. Because it doesn't work the first with the first person doesn't mean there's not meaningful work to be done for you. I completely support that. So what do you think are the benefits of therapy? Um, I think, um, like I said, I see it as just as important as um, your physical, uh, taking care of your body. Um, so I think some of the benefits that I have experienced, so I will personalize it for myself. Um, I feel like the way that I respond in situations that are stressful has vastly changed. Um, before I used to feel like I needed to immediately respond and be slick about my shit and maybe, you know, maybe wave my finger or roll my neck or something like that. And have a real-time response, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and have a real-time response uh, and be real pissed about it. Uh, but through that, I've learned that I, I don't need to respond to everything as it happens. Um, I have learned, even though I knew it before, but I just wasn't sure how to put it into practice, that no is a complete sentence. And I can use no when I want to. Um, that I can uh, change my mind when I want to. And these are all things I think we cognitively know, but then to put them into practice sometimes feels a little squishy. Um, and so I have learned to be able to say no to things or to change my mind and like release myself of the guilt that comes sometimes with that. Um, especially when people like, maybe people are relying on you for something. I mean, I'm not going to say no to like super important things like, um, or maybe I will because I'm tired I don't want to do it. I don't want to be bothered with nobody. And I just changed my mind because if I go and I do it, then it's just going to be shitty anyway. Um, so I've been able to let go of some of the guilt of that, um, of those feelings. Uh, let's see. What are some of the other things that I've gotten from therapy? Um, uh, I think an importance and realization that um, my mental health is important. And while I can certainly pray about something, Again, I, I'm going to pray and I'm going to have action to talk about it and to move towards resolution and to move beyond that. And I've learned that that's okay. Um, let's see. Yeah, those are, the, off the top of my head, those are some of the things that I have learned that have been like significant life lessons um, that I carry with me and I practice and they just help me to be a calmer person. I'm learning right now, one of the things that I'm, I've been learning in the last say, year or so is to let go of the need to be in control. Um, and I have to actively practice that. Like I say it at work. Um, I say it with my partner. Um, I say it to myself when I am trying to like push myself to do something. And I have to say, like, girl, you don't have to control everything. Like some things are not that big a deal. Like, not everything involves a strong opinion. Calm down. Let it go. It's okay if somebody else makes the decision or makes the call on that because you are going to be just fine. So those are like three or four things that I have um, learned 
that are significant. Like I said, I think I cognitively knew those, so they made sense in my head already, but to then put those into practice and have that as part of who I am and how I operate in the world has been really calming and soothing. What are some of the things that you have uh, learned, picked up, or even that you hope to learn since you're kind of new um, to this world? Oh, yeah, I was just born today. Okay, wow. <laughs> I knew that was going to go sideways, but yeah. Um, I, I mean, I really only have one thing that I've surmised so far. It's personal to me. I don't know if it's uh, applicable to everyone, but it's helping me slow down. I think we live in this society where things have to move really quickly. Production, we value production over value of the health, you know, healthy humans. And mm -hmm. I, I need to slow down. I'm not going to help. I can't help anyone else if I don't help myself first. So mm -hmm. uh, it's something I've always known, but it's the putting it to practice and defining what that looks like in my everyday life, which is really helping. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm hoping that if I behave this way, it starts to become infectious mm -hmm. and therefore I can start navigating the world in what feels like a, uh, a, a, a reasonable way. Mm -hmm. You know, when you said that, I was thinking like, I think one of the things that I've learned and hope to continue to learn is to be open about this journey. Um, because there's a lot of people out there suffering and don't feel like they, they, that anybody that looks like them, loves like them, et cetera, goes through shit. Um, or uses the resources of therapy, a psychotherapist, cognitive behavioral therapist, et cetera. Um, so yeah, it has taught me that it's okay to share um, what I feel comfortable with in my journey um, of working through shit that's going on in my head, in my heart, et cetera. Um, but yeah, being able to talk about it with people. It, like I think when we talk about it, it gives other people permission to do it. Um, and so I have, I have learned that that is okay. Because somebody suggested it to me a number of years ago, and I was like, I don't need no damn therapy. I'm, let me go and lay on the altar. Because um, <laughs> you, you don't just put it on there, lay on it. Um, and then I, thankfully I was smart enough to listen and try it out, and it has, it has changed so much. Well said. All right, we're going to wrap it up here and take a long-needed break, and we'll be right back. questions. It's been a little while since we've done uh, uh, a listener question. So Shamina, take it away. All right. So, um, and by listener questions, let's just be really honest about this. Um, the inbox has been a little bit slow. So we scrolled through our Twitter feeds uh, to see what was kind of floating out in the Twitterverse, if you will. Um, this question is, uh, was posted earlier this year by at Michelle Hux. You don't need to know the spelling because you're not going to look it up. That's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but shout out to her for posting this out there. Um, the question is, what's an adult problem nobody prepared you for? Um, so, Paul, I will let you answer first. All right. I'll take the mic. Yes. So, uh, I, no one prepared me for, you know, what I'm going to call my return of Saturn period. I, like, I knew there was going to be a struggle growing up, of course, and just managing adult life shortly after college. Uh, but all that technical bullshit is nothing. No one prepared me for the emotional, mental uh, um, exhaustion that I'm facing right now in the 20, year of 28. So I'll just very briefly, um, they say that the year is 27, 28 is when your return of Saturn's period starts. And the year 27, 28 for everyone is when Saturn is back in the same exact position for the year that you were born. And it's just when shit fucks up. 
And mm. I've talked about this with. <laughs> that was so real. Oh, okay. I'm glad you can relate. For most people I've spoken to, like, it, like, they can really relate to it if they're already past it. And um, for the people who are my age, they don't really realize they're in it just yet because they haven't really heard about that. Mm-hmm. But it's so real. And um, most people say you really don't even get out of it until your early 30s. Um, until you're like, you kind of reach a new level of self-actualization. So I know that's very, of course, no one's going to tell me about it because it's very philosophical and very meta to think about how you move through the world that way. But uh, I wish there was a little bit of warning because if I had that warning, then I would just accept it and just be like, Paul, you're going to go through valleys. Maybe those uh, valleys are going all the way to the depths of hell. Uh, and then you're gonna, you're gonna, uh, you're gonna come back up to the hills or to the heavens. So, um, that would be my adult advice. I wish I got ahead of time. Okay. Um, that's real. There's just some years in life where like, it's just going to be trash anyway. So I don't know if it's better to know or to not know. Cause then if you know, then you're looking for trash all the time, but I can relate. I hear you on that one. Um, let's see, what's an adult problem no one prepared me for? Um, I think just the general term uh, of loss of people. Um, and I don't mean loss, like someone leaves your life for a certain you know, amount of time or something like that, and maybe they come back and maybe they don't, but I mean like permanent loss. So um, I think of uh, losing my dad and how monumental that was and how I still think about him every single day. And it's been almost four years, um, almost five years. Yeah. Almost five years. And like, there's no preparing for that. And I wish, I don't wish someone had told me, I guess, but cause who wants to hear about loss at a young age, but nobody prepares you for like all the shit that goes along with loss. Just like nobody prepares you for, all the stuff that goes with the funeral and all the decisions you have to make in like such a short amount of time to like, unless, you know, somebody's really good and they pre-plan like where, what casket, what they want to wear, what flowers, where it's going to be, who's going to preside over the ceremony, who's going to pray, who's going to sing the solo, you know, but just the feeling of loss of never being able to see that person again. Um, there was no, what there's no preparing for that. Um, and I had never lost anybody that significant in my life before. And the, to then the first one to be my dad. Um, and he's my, like, on paper, he's my stepdad, but he's my dad. So to have lost him was my first significant loss. And I was in my 30s. And it, like, it fucked me up for a minute. Like, I reengaged in therapy as a result of that because I just wasn't sure, like, which way was up, down. You know, and then, you know, then taking like, okay, now my mom is here by herself. She was married to him and lived to him with him all the time, even when he got on her nerves. But like, okay, what does her look, life look like and how do I support her, but also be supportive of myself? So, yeah, I think loss is like one of those big things and like life and you gain a different perspective on things. Like it's, it's different than losing a friend or somebody walking out of your life or you walking out of someone's life. Um, but to know you're not going to see this person again in their fleshly body, that is something that there's no preparing for that. So, That's yeah. really real. And I fortunately have not crossed that path in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I'm, you know, I am friends, I have a lot of older friends and it is a reality for them. I think surrounding myself with those experiences has given me a a little bit of a warning or advanced notice. Um, but it's, as a result, it's, it's very scary. I I don't, I, I very, am very fearful of getting to that point, even though it's inevitable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's no, like, no, like no book, there's no video, there's no podcast, there's no documentary, um, you know, no, that can prepare you for what that feels like in the moment to see it, feel it afterward. I don't know what's worse in it or afterward, but you know, full circle. This is 
part of what you know therapists talk about a lot like loss and coping and responding to life afterwards so yeah yeah no that was a bit heavy but it's like that's probably the realest thing i was like anything else i was like i can deal with but Mm -hmm. the idea of loss in that way is it's significant so Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. So y'all, if you have any, any, um, actually, uh, comments on this topic, this question, feel free to add your tidbit on what piece of advice you wish you got, um, for your adult life. Um, uh, but, and also to email us any questions that you have in general at headbosspodcasts at gmail.com. All right. We'll be right back. All right, and we're here for our last segment to boss ass bitch and bitch ass boss of the week. Uh, Shamina, take it away. All right, so I've got two. So it's a double edged, um, my first one's a double edged sword, if you will. Um, recently in the news, there in the state of Florida, the um, her name is Aramis Ayala. Uh, she's the first black elected state attorney in the state of Florida. Um, and she was basically pulled over by two, what appeared to be two white cops um, for essentially no reason. And it was on their, um, their body cam. And that body cam was really, I don't know why it was released, but it's nice to know that, you know, some things can be released and people can see like uh, the shenanigans that happened um, more often than not with law enforcement. Um, But there's hashtag (laughs) the revisited and never gone away hashtag driving while black. she was pulled over because they said the excuse that they had is that they ran her plates or her tags and they couldn't find anything in the system. Well, why are you running her tags in the first place? Cause she had not broken or violated any laws to any degree. They were like, no. also um, the tent on your windows is really dark. I don't have a tent measure, but you know, it might, you know, be a problem. And she was like, like what, why did you pull me over? Like, what? what was the issue? Um, but the funny thing is they started off by asking her what agency with agency she was with. And she's right. like, I'm the state attorney. And then real quick, they were like, Nope, nothing came up, no charges. Um, so, and then she was like, well, why did you pull me over? And then she went to that, through that conversation. And then she was like, um, do you guys have cards? Cause I'm like, she's going to rare into them deep. And the guy was like, well, this isn't my car and I don't have a card, but I can write my name down. And I'm like, how are you not going to have a card? Having worked, you know, to some degree with law enforcement on, you know, at my campus and dealing with the, the students that I deal with, I'm like, they all always have cards in one of the 17 pockets that they have. But all of a sudden you out on the street, you're not in your car as an officer and you don't have a car. You're just going to write it on a piece of paper. So I just bitched to them, boss to her for I'm keeping it together because I know she's going to get them together real smooth when she had the names. Um, I so mean, that was my Someone's first about to get fired. I mean, do you realize this is right? the state, not yeah. the office, the state's yeah. attorney? <laughs> yeah. She's not like, I'm one of them. She's like, I'm it. Like, I'm the I'm state attorney. The, yeah. Um, the and the, vi- the, the video is great because she's so calm and she's just like, um, she does the thing where, it looks like they're going to walk away and she does the, the two fingers out like, um, actually, can I get both of your cards? And she's just so calm and smooth about the whole thing. And I was like, ugh, black woman magic. Like, ugh. It sucks that she had to be exposed to this bullshit. Um, yeah, I know yeah, you- they're going to have something change in terms of the law or the way that they respond. Or like you said, somebody's going to lose a job or they're going to be mm-hmm. sitting at a desk or something like that. So, And you know, this really could have easily, because you know, regard like, yes, her position, but it, what, it, what I loved about it was it wasn't in this, like, do you, do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you right? know? Like it was not, she did not play that card. Yeah. Um, really good. Yeah. But it could have very easily been another like Sandra Bland. Like if you think about it, that she could have been the next hashtag. It could have been air, air, hashtag Aramis Ayala. And we would all have like black lives matter stuff and taping mm-hmm. for it and whatnot. Um, so like that was moments away from that, which is a really 
unfortunate thing to think about in this day and age, but it's very much a reality. So we can't divorce ourselves from thinking that this is possible. I can only imagine what she was going through in that moment, even though she wasn't doing anything wrong, all of her stuff was fine and da, 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 but just to be pulled over it, as a black person in this country with this administration right now today, like there is some fear. Like if I see an officer, I'd be wanting to pull over and be like, let me just pull over and like do wait till them. I'll go behind. Mm-hmm. You go first. So, um, bitch to them, shout to her, um, Aramis Ayala doing your thing. State attorney. Um, and then the other one, my other, again, this is a boss and a bitch. Cause I don't know how I feel about it. Cause it has fucked me up in the game. Okay. So, I just watched, uh, recently I watched this documentary call on Netflix, so check it out if you have the stomach for it. It's called What the Health, H-E-A-L-T-H, so like what the hell, but what the health. And first of all, it came out like a few weeks ago, so it is live, present day from 2017, from the month, to this current month. And the whole thing is around like, I've seen, and I watch documentaries a lot around food and sugar and protein and like what's good for you, what's not good for you. But somehow this one like fucked me up for real. So the, first of all, the guy is based in the Bay Area, which I was like, oh my God, I'm seeing things that I know. Like he's on this hill and I know that he's at this restaurant and I've been there. So sometimes it's weird to see the places that you've been on, you know, uh, film. And then it was all about... Um, it started off by talking about like how diabetes kind of is established in um, uh, people and that it's not based on like the amount of sugar that you intake, um, but it's based on all of these other factors. Um, But sugar is the least of your worries. Um, Okay. Right. So they were talking about sugar and how that's not the cause of diabetes. And then they got into all these things around meat and like going into plants, but it was a different kind of documentary because I watched those things and I haven't been really impacted or affected like, you know, like I was with this one. But they talked about some stuff in there and they showed some videos. And I will tell you, I have not had meat in the last week as a result. Like I'm consciously, and I love meat. Like I love turkey, chicken. Um, it's mostly turkey chicken. Mm. Uh, Okay. Well, we're looking at different kinds of meat. I'm talking (laughs) about like edible, like you put it in a skillet. Um, but this, the way that they talked about some of these things and they showed like some black people that were affected by the way that these plants, uh, these like, um, slaughterhouses and meat plants like operate, like in specifically, they talked about North Carolina, um but that could go any meat plant i think about driving up or down the five down to la there's all those cows there that and you know you hitting there because it starts to smell like shit like three miles before you get there um but just the way that he was talk the guy was talking about it and then they were saying all these companies like it's the american diabetes association it was um the susan g komen foundation it was american cancer society american health association all have funding by like big meat companies like tyson is on three of these um craft dannon pepsi um subway uh what is this other one yo play and they're all saying how like healthy um like this is what makes a healthy diet and whatnot and they never prescribe what foods consist like aren't consistent in a healthy diet but they're the people that are funding these studies and funding the plants that is making this bullshit meat. And I'm not like conspiracy theorist, but I'm telling you, please watch it. It has like, um, it talks shit about cheese too, but I'm not ready to let go of cheese. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not ready. That's too much. I'm not trying to be nobody's vegan, but I'm certainly like, okay, like the least damning of these was seafood and even not all seafood. Um, Cause tilapia is out the window now too. Cause they talk shit about that. And they were showing these videos and I was like, oh my God, like, what have I been eating and putting in my body? Like, and again, I watched these. I watched, um, I think there's one called Farm to Fork. Sugar's another one, which is about sugar. Super Size Me. All of these ones, like, I'm really into documentaries and stuff, especially around food and, like, the consideration of different choices. But this one changed the game. I'm telling you. 
I, I'm not even going to get into the nasty part of it. Um, maybe I'll, I'll retweet some of the stuff um, from our head boss, Twitter. And you can just, you can see some of the clips and whatnot. But when I tell you what they were talking about, Paul, I'm not even going to say it on the show because I don't even want to think about it. But you're going to be like, let me take a break from me. I don't know why <coughs> putting yourself through that. I'd rather not watch it. Like, I uh, I eat everything in, like, moderation. So if I'm just eating yeah. pretty things every once in a while, fine. What I don't know won't hurt me. Yeah, <laughs> but it will. That's the thing. I, <laughs> I was like, but it will. So, uh, bitch, because now it's, like, fucked up meat for me for a while. And, like, literally, it's been probably, like, a week and some. And I'm like, I just, I'm looking at meat. And I'm like, I can't even make that choice right now. Because I keep thinking there's a visual in my head, a still visual in my head of one of the things from the documentary. And I'm like, I just can't, like, I'm eating that. No, thank you. Um, and the fact that it's impacting Black people very specifically, it's impacting all lots of people. But they showed a few Black people and there's a little Black baby. And I'm like, I just can't see myself like that could be my niece. the Black population because they're the ones that are consuming these brands the most? No. That is not, they're showing them because they're impacted by some of the operations and the ways and like pesticides that they're using on some of these plants and um, it being so um, widespread that it's literally seeping into communities, which is seeping into people's water, the water system, um, the the air that they breathe. Um, It was, it it felt really like uncomfortable to watch because I'm like, this could be my auntie. This could be, you know, my cousin, my sister, my uncle, you know, sitting there just trying to have a good time on their porch. And then the pesticide is blowing this way in the wind and then the air is sucks. So I'm not saying I'm giving up meat forever, but I'm certainly deterred right now. So bitch for it, it messing up meat for me right now, but boss, because it's certainly making me think like more consciously about the choices that I'm making in terms of food and like it's more global impact. So okay. that was a lot. I will retweet some stuff from our Twitter so that you can check it out um, and click. I'll try not to do the like really deep stuff, but just some of the more educational pieces. So yeah, and I'm done. All right, I'm going to try to keep mine brief. Um, My first, I have two bosses. Um, My first boss goes to SZA, um, who released... (laughs) I could not do it. I could not do it. I'm not going to even, like, (laughs) explain what what that was, but... But SZA, um, who is... Uh, who released an album called Control uh, a couple weeks ago. And I've just been on this Control kick for weeks. She's only like in her early 20s, super young. She has, uh, she reminds me of her voice is like, um, uh, she has this kind of like more soulful, kind of goes back to like that 1950s jazz type voice, but in like a, a, a more contemporary context. And um, she plays with the R&B sound. Like the whole album is very different sounds of R&B. Very therapeutic. Um, I can't relate to most of the lyrics in the songs because she's just at an early stage of her life. But some things I can really vibe with. But if anything, I don't, sometimes I don't really care for lyrics. I just care about how the mood of the music makes me feel. Mm-hmm. And it's just stellar. It's her debut album. She's been out for a while. And I'm uh, hoping this becomes this album becomes really successful. And I'm just happy for her. Uh, my second boss goes to Janet Mock. Uh, oh, yes! Actually, our July head boss of the month um, featured, uh, you know, we feature a new head boss on Facebook and Twitter every month. And the reason why is she recently published um, her second book, um, which I'm the name of it is uh, escaping me, but the whole per, uh, the whole kind of purpose of this book is the first one was really about her upbringing and how um, she, you know, came to find her womanhood. Um, but this one is really now focusing on you know she's I think thirty, and now really focusing on okay I'm established I'm in this really new point of my life now what are the things that I'm now trying to navigate through. Um, but most importantly, like, you know, she's great. She's amazing. She's a great trans advocate um, on both the political and social level. 
She has a brand new podcast that I highly suggest you listen to called Never Before. And there's only five episodes and she interviews different people and she has a really great narration voice. Uh, She's a journalist, so obviously uh, she knows (laughs) But uh, the way it's set up is very calming and soothing and she asks really good questions. The very first episode, she interviewed Tina Knowles. Oh, that was so good. Yes. and then other folks that she's interviewed, um, there's a trans woman who stars on the Fox show Star. Um, that was an mm-hmm. interesting episode. And then the most recent episode that got published this week, or last week, if um, by the time this episode is posted, is uh, by the, the, uh, the, the main writer for Moonlight. Um, he got best uh, adapted, or yeah, best original screenplay, or adapted screenplay um, at the Oscars. Um, mm. Also blanking on his name, um, but no, it's it's just a really good podcast. It's something new, something different. Um, HBIC definitely supports it. Um, so yeah, those are my two bosses. Nice. I love me some Janet Mock. I heard her. I got a chance to hear her speak at an Oprah's uh, Super Soul Sunday event that we got to go to, and she was great. First of all, she's gorgeous, which oh, is rude. Girl. It's just, it's inappropriate. And her husband's so gorgeous. I'm just like, <laughs> how can there be so much beauty in one couple? Um, it's really I, rude. I, I actually met her in person. Um, she was the, when I graduated from grad school, oh no, sorry. My first year in grad school, I um, was, uh, I was like a, some sort of an invi- advisor for the undergraduate LGBT organization and they do a lavender ceremony every year for graduation. So the first year I just attended to support my students and Janet Mock was the guest speaker um, of lavender. And uh, the lavender ceremony is pretty small and intimate intimate, and I got to take a picture with her. Um, And that was great. Yes. Yes. All right. So that ends our episode, y'all. Thanks for listening. Um, Please, please, please. Um, connect connect with us via social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, you can email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com uh, and rate us, review us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and um, uh, hopefully another platform that we'll announce soon. We're still waiting to hear back. Oh, Google Play. Yeah, you can get us on Google Play as well. So uh, we will see you in a couple weeks. Peace, y'all. Bye. Got 125.